0: Hello and welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, February 3rd, 2019, we're continuing our series titled, Walk This Way, 2 Timothy. In today's sermon, Unashamed, Pastor Thomas Slagers can be teaching from 2 Timothy 1, verses 8-18. through We hope you enjoy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Thank you so much for the family that you have given to us. Why is that giving the guy a blanket? Hold it door for grandma, Jack. Thank you. I got you. I got you. Thank you for the privilege that we have of serving you and to be disciples. I'm so sorry, baby girl. Let's try again, okay? Go ahead and ease it forward. It's okay. Can do it, buddy. Let's go. Come on. I got you. Good job. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. You ever been in a group of people? And you're sharing, and the topic of most embarrassing moments come up. And they say, what's your most embarrassing story? And it's like, yeah, we just met. That's what I want to share, the thing I'm most ashamed of. Why not, right? Um, but, but it's funny, because we have these moments where we're really ashamed of, we're embarrassed of, and we're inclined to tell those stories. Then we have these stories we're proud of. Maybe it's um, the proud moments. And as, experience, as people, we experience kind of each of these, and maybe you're more embarrassed than not, or maybe you're more... Proud of yourself than not. I'm sure there's a balance there, um, but we experience this in different ways. As a kid, I had some proud moments and some moments I'm ashamed of, things I'm a little bit embarrassed about. As a freshman, I played high school hockey, and in our state semifinal championship, I scored the game-tying goal. So as a freshman, I was like, "This is awesome, right? I'm on, I'm on top of the world. Hey, right? Like it was the best thing." ever. And then the next week was the state championship, um, and I had a breakaway, and and the goalie was completely out of the net, and all I had to do was just put the puck in to end the game. But no, right? I want to go like bar down, like clang, bing, bing. You've seen this when it hits the post and makes awesome sound, and then it's super exciting. I wanted to do that, make a statement. Instead, I just completely missed the goal, right? So it was one of those uh, proud moments, and then it was a A moment I was ashamed of. Maybe as a spouse, you've experienced those days with your spouse where you're kind of proud of your behavior. You're proud of the way you acted. You wanted to be this kind of wife, and you were this kind of wife, or you wanted to be this kind of husband, and you were this kind of husband. You were being selfless. Everything was romantic, and at the end of the day, everything was wonderful, right? It's that type of day you're not ashamed of, and then there's those type of days where at the end of it, you just got to say, babe, I don't know what my problem was today, and I'm sorry. I was a jerk. Will you forgive me? Maybe as a parent, you experience it in different ways. There's days where the teaching moments abound, and you're like, "Yo, man, this is amazing. Like, I just showed my kid how to do this, and I showed my daughter how to do this. Like, God is really flowing through me. And then there's those days where your fuse is just so short, and instead of um, teaching opportunities, you just blow up and get mad. And you're, you're kind of ashamed of that. And then there are those moments as a Christian where this door flings wide open, an opportunity for you to share the gospel. And sometimes you do, and sometimes it goes places, and sometimes it doesn't. Um, But you're still proud of your behavior, that you shared the gospel. And then there's experiences where maybe you're more ashamed of your behavior. I had one of those experiences a couple weeks ago. I was at the dentist, and it's New Year's, and have some grace um, leading someone to the Lord while your mouth is wide open on a dentist table probably isn't the most effective way to go about sharing the gospel. Um, but this door flung wide open. We were talking about New Year's resolutions, and I'm not normally a New Year's resolutionist person, um, but I think we could be honest with each other, right? Um, I have never in my life intentionally read the Bible cover to cover in, in any year. Not once. I'm ashamed of that. Why? Because I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to do that every year. People are just supposed to think I have it memorized cover to cover, right? Um, I don't, and that was my goal this year. An intentional daily quiet time with the Lord where I walk through a scheduled out thing cover to cover reading the Bible. We're 34 days into the year and I've stuck with it. I'm proud of that. What I'm not proud of is these moments that come up. My dentist, she's, she's sitting back there and she gets the drill out and she says, any New Year's resolutions, ha, ha, ha. Um, I'm sure she didn't say it like that. That's how I perceived it. Um, And knowing that I completely did set some New Year's resolutions, in fact, the only resolution I had set that year was to have an intentional daily quiet time with the Lord. Door wide open. I just sat there, no, not really. Mm, Just don't feel like doing this right now. I don't feel like talking about it. This isn't going to go anywhere. You're supposed to clean my teeth. I'm not supposed to lead you to Jesus. It's just, yeah. And we've experienced things. How many of you would say, like, yeah, as a Christian, I have those moments I'm a little ashamed of. Am I alone here? Cool. If there's someone around you not raising your hand, either don't listen to them or listen to them because they're doing something right. <laughs> this is our Christian experience. It's, it's, we believe it. We're compassionate about it. We love it and we get courage from it. But there's, there's still those days where we just fall flat On our face. This morning in 2 Timothy 1 8 through 18, we're challenged to not do that, to not be ashamed, to not be embarrassed. Again, we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 through 18. I hope this morning you'd find some courage based upon what God shares with us in this passage. Let's read it and then we'll pray. Verse 8 Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Those are fun to say. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains, but when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Let's pray real quick. God, though it's my voice that's been heard as we read, and we know it's your word that's been spoken, and God, this morning we trusted and we asked that you'd speak to us through it. God, would some of these words jump off the page and onto our hearts like they never have before? God, would our eyes be open to the plan that you have for us? And would they be open to that door that swings wide open, a door that we're meant to walk through and be unashamed with the gospel? God, would you give us opportunities and moments like that this week to trust you? And could we tie that courage to what you've taught us this morning, God, we love you and ask that you would receive all glory, honor, and praise by everything said and done in this place this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. You'll notice three kind of points in your outline on the front. We have the challenge, the example, and the reality that we face when we take the challenge. And on the back, I hope to get to some practical steps to help us be unashamed based on principles that are seen in Second Timothy 1, 8 through 18. The first thing we come to, the challenge, he says, do not be ashamed. Do not be ashamed. Therefore, do not be ashamed. Get your Bible out real quick because every, anytime you see the word therefore, what are you supposed to do when you study the Bible? You check what it's there for, right? Therefore, so based upon what we just talked about, go and do this. And as we look at the scriptures, Paul has really built a case to Timothy of why he should be unashamed. And what he's done is built this incredible support system around and this incredible rich heritage of the Christian faith. Paul in verse 3 says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors. He says, man, this faith, that goes way back. I had this deep, deep Christian heritage of people who loved the Lord. He says, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and day. So where does Timothy have support, first of all? Well, Timothy has support from his friend. From his friend and Paul. Verse 5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Lois, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Why else should Paul not be ashamed? Because he too has this rich rich Christian heritage. And where is he finding his support? Well, he found his support in his friend Paul. He's also finding support in his family. His grandmother Eunice and his mother Lois. Lois. Verse six, he says, "For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. What other type of support does he have? He has Heavenly Father support. God has given us a spirit, not of fear. So based upon all this, Timothy, based upon our rich history of where God has brought us up to this moment, and based upon all the support you have around you, do not be ashamed. This word ashamed, it means embarrassed of one's actions, characteristics, or associations. And what we see from this text, it's specifically talking about associations. Don't be embarrassed of who you associate with, namely, Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. You've heard that word testimony before, right? It's it's the story of who God is and what God has done. So maybe you have a personal testimony in your life of how God has shown up and shown you amazing things, of who he is and how he revealed himself to you. And he says, don't be ashamed about the testimony about our Lord, the story of what Christ has done. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Don't be ashamed about our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner. So, hey, hey, Timothy, don't be ashamed of Jesus. And also, don't be ashamed of Jesus' people. Now, why would he say this? Because later on, apparently, some people were ashamed of Paul. Phygelus and Hermogenes. They left him. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Timothy, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't, don't be embarrassed by who Christ is and what Christ has done and don't be embarrassed of Christ's people. But then he says, suffer for it. Don't just not be embarrassed. Do something. Get yourself out there and be willing to suffer for it. That's the big command he gives us. Do not be ashamed. Verses 9 and 10, then, they're kind of this why. Why should we not be ashamed? And Paul kind of goes on this hey, look what God did, Timothy. Look what God did in our lives. Look what God has done for us. Look what God has done for his people. We can look it back on our own life and say, man, look what God has done for me. Can't we? You look back and see those big moments that God showed up. Verse 9, he says, don't be ashamed. Why? Because God saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Paul's going to use some theology, and theology is kind of a big word for who God is, understanding who God is. Paul's going to use some things he's already um, not told Timothy, but told the church in Ephesus, and Timothy is a pastor in the church in Ephesus. We studied Ephesians maybe a couple years ago as a church, so some of this... um, you might remember, and, and it might be a good reminder for you. The book of Ephesians was written in 62 AD. 2 Timothy was written in 67 AD. So Timothy, as he pastors his church in Ephesus, is certainly aware of all of the theology Paul has already written to that church. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10, talking about the same things he just said in Second Timothy, says this. For by grace, by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is the same thing he just said in 2 Timothy. You saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and what? Grace. grace. And what is grace? It's a gift. You can take that down off the screen for just a second here. Um, think back to when you were a kid. You got that awesome, awesome Christmas present, That gift. Or maybe it was a gift you got for your birthday. The next day you went to school and what'd you do? You told all your friends. This is one of my favorite things to do on the Sunday after, tra- after Christmas, by the way, because everyone looks way better the week after Christmas than they do the rest of the year. <laughs> right, you can, you can just sit out in the lobby and be like, new purse, new shoes, new watch, uh, new, new coat, new this, new that, new handbag, new stroller, new this, new. And, and you just see all the gifts. And people don't walk through like covering their shoes like, no, you don't want, I'm kind of ashamed of this gift. I don't want you to see, no, that's not how it works. People wear those things and show those things. They're proud of that gift. Why should we not be ashamed of the gospel? Why should we not be embarrassed of what Jesus has done for us because he's given us an amazing gift? He says it's not a result of work so that no one may boast. See, we can't boast about this gift Jesus has given us. We can't boast about our salvation, and we can't boast about being a part of his family. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31 says, let him who boasts boast in who? In the Lord. If you're going to boast, don't boast about yourself. Don't boast about the things that you've done. Boast about the things that Christ has done for you. If you're going to brag, brag about Jesus. Don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed. Put yourself out there and show people, tell people what Christ has done for us. It says he saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Again, theology that Timothy would be acquainted with because Paul already wrote this in his letter to the church which Timothy pastors. First or Ephesians chapter 1 Verses 4 through 6, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. See, everyone says, not everyone, a lot of people say Jesus was a plan B, like he was an afterthought. Like God created everything, but he didn't see the garden coming. He didn't see that whole fruit thing coming. No, this is actually the plan. Before the foundations of the world. Before the foundations of the world, he had a plan that involved Jesus. That we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he again before we did anything. Before he saw it, before anything ever happened, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. What do I have to be ashamed of? God has brought me into his family. He's adopted me as his child. That's nothing to be ashamed of. It says he's done this through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, not our praise, the praise of Jesus with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. So this whole thing happened before the ages began. It's been the plan the entire time, but verse 10, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. So it's been a plan for a long time, but now we get to see it in Jesus. It's been manifested. It's been made known. It's been shown to us so that we could respond and live a life that's unashamed of what Christ has done. It says he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus didn't just remove our death. He replaced it with his life. Do you get that? He didn't just take away our death and then leave us in some, some limbo thing. He took away one thing and then gave us something new. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through five. Again, theology that Timothy would be well acquainted with says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. How can I possibly add to my salvation if I'm dead I can't. Dead guys do nothing. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. There's no exclusion there. Everyone apart from Jesus is dead. And Christ has come to remove that death and replace it with new life. All once to live in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, what a great but that is. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Why do we sing that song, Made Alive? Because it's true. Because we've been made alive in Christ Jesus. Why should we be ashamed of that? Why would we be ashamed of that? Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, don't be ashamed. Why? Look at what Christ has done for us. If you look at chapter one again, get your Bible out, um, we'll see that Paul's big on reminders and reminding people and remembering what Christ has done or looking back and seeing what Christ has done. Chapter one, verse verse three, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience as I remember you. Verse five, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Verse six, for this reason, I remind you. Go to chapter two. Chapter two, verse eight, remember Jesus Christ. Chapter two, verse 14, remind them of these things. We should look back. We should look back and see what Christ has done for us because when we look back on our life and not just see how God pulled us out of death and into life, but we start seeing his hand move in our life, how can we be ashamed of that? We need reminders. We should put reminders in front of us on a daily basis to fuel our courage and to keep us from being unashamed. My wife this last year bought me an incredible gift, um, it's a little prayer bench. A lady at our church makes them, and, and they're wonderful. And these prayer benches, essentially, um, they're just for this, for comfortable prayer. If you want to get down and pray, you can still pray. doesn't hurt your knees. It's just comfortable. You can hang out and, and talk with the Lord. Now, why is this thing so important to me? Um, you can see on the top of this bench, it says three words. Can you read those? Keep, keep zooming. Zoom, zoom, zoom. read that if you can see that. God is faithful. Now, why is that so important to me? And you guys are aware of this. A couple years ago, uh, my wife was at breakfast with our kids, and my daughter tried to drink my wife's coffee, which is not recommended at all. Um, And this coffee spilled down her neck, and she got some first and second degree burns down her neck on her chest and on her tummy, and she's got some scarring uh, and things like this. She ended up in the hospital, and then they sent us home just to burn, kind of keep the stuff on it. But Since she had a threatened immune system, she caught some other viruses, Um, and because she had those two viruses teamed up with what um, her body was trying to fart, fight, not fart, fight this. (laughs) My boys, our boys do that thing. Audrey doesn't, no, she does it too, actually. great examples in her life. Um, Her body's trying to fight off all this infection, and it just, it just overhauled her system. Uh, and she can't got this thing called SIRS. It's a Sudden Inflammatory Response Syndrome where your body starts taking on water and swelling up. Uh, and because she had the burn, her blood was real thin, so she was a bleed risk. Uh, and there was all these things stacked against her. And they examined putting in a pick line so they could like feed her and then do in a food tube so she'd actually start um, getting some nutrition and her body would start fighting it off. But they couldn't do the food tube because she was a bleed risk, and if they scratched her, she could potentially bleed out. From the inside, they couldn't do the pick line because if they did that again, she's a bleed risk, so she can't do that. And after about day four or five of her just being incredibly lethargic, doped up on all sorts of pain meds, um, not eating any food, not drinking anything, and just sitting there swollen, we asked the doctor, "What are we supposed to do?" And he said, "There's nothing. He just wait." Tell a fart joke. (laughs) Now, as a parent, that's really hard, isn't it? Because I'm a fixer. Any dads, you're a fixer. You want to fix your wife's problem. You want to fix your kid's problem. You just want to fix it. Nothing. So y'all are praying like crazy. Our friends are praying like crazy. Um, So what do we do? She just needs to eat. So, hey, what can we pray for? Pray that she'd eat something. She won't eat anything. She's a good eater. She won't eat anything. So time after time, Mary and I are trying to feed her something. There's nothing. Again, the doctor says, how's the food come along? She's not eating. And her health's declining, and things are going to a place we don't want them to go. And then her body starts doing the sepsis thing where it just kind of starts shutting down, and she just needs to eat. How can we pray? My daughter needs to eat. So Mary and I, one afternoon... Uh, took a banana and we mashed it up. And you ever laid hands on a banana and prayed for it? <laughs> yeah, this was new for us too. <laughs> so we lay our hands on this banana and we just petition the Lord and say, God, this is what we need. We just need our daughter to eat. That was the first time I ever laid my hands on a banana and prayed for bananas. And as soon as that spoon came up to her mouth, she just, um and started eating it. That was the first time I ever cried about bananas either. (laughs) And this amazing thing happened. Her health started to get better. The doctor came in and said, how's everything looking? She said, it's pretty good. She has way too much vitamin K in her system, so we have to manage that. And we said, well, she's had nothing but bananas for five days now, so we'll take what we can get. Um, And that has been a reminder to us about just how faithful God is. You can go up to Audrey during or after a service and say, Audrey, where's your scar? And she'll... She'll point to her scar and guess what she says? God is faithful. Isn't that cool? But it's the reminder, It's the thing we look back on and see, man, how can I be ashamed of a God who did that? How can I be ashamed of a God who not only saved me from death, who brought me into a right relationship with him, but a God who let me keep my kid, a God who, if you know Audrey, she is so rambunctious and hilarious and she is such a blessing to my life. How can I be ashamed of a God who did that? You just can't. It's the power of reminders. We look back and we see what God has done in our life and it spurs us on to be unashamed and courageous for the gospel and courageous for what Christ has done For us, we have no reason to be ashamed. He also gives us an example of why we should not be ashamed. We pick that up in verse 11. The example Paul was not ashamed. He says, for which I was appointed, he talks about the gospel, the gospel for which I was appointed, a preacher, an apostle, and teacher. That means he's the guy out front. He's the guy preaching the good news. He's the guy teaching the good news, and he's an apostle. So God, Jesus confronted him and said, you're going to follow me now, and then he led this whole church, and we don't have these in the church today, apostles. There were the 12, and then there was Paul. He's the guy out front. He's the guy out front that everyone wants to throw rocks at and kill. And he says, verse 12, which is why I suffer as I do. And if you know the story of Paul, he he knows suffering. He suffered quite a bit. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we won't turn there now. I'd encourage you to look later on. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 22 through 28. Paul walks through his history of just how much he has suffered for the gospel. A lot for the gospel. And he says this, the second half of verse 12, but I am not ashamed so you've suffered that much. You've gone through that much pain. You've gone through that many trials. And he says, but I'm not ashamed. Why? For I know whom I have believed. Not just I know about whom I believed. I know who I believe. See, there's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. Jesus. You might know some things about who he is and know some things about what he did and you kind of believe in him a little bit but Paul has a different type of knowing than that. So you might know my kids a little bit. I know my kids. You might know my wife a little bit. I know my wife. There's a difference. He says, I'm not ashamed. Why? Because I know Jesus. Why are so many Christians ashamed? I think it's because they don't really know Jesus. Don't spend time with them. They don't talk with them. They don't set aside any time to get their heart right, to get their, 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 their head right so their hands can go out and do the things they want to do. They don't really know Jesus. So what do they do? They default to this position of shame. I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul gives another reason why he is unashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is the good news, and the gospel is good news, isn't it? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I am not ashamed. Why? Because I know Jesus, and I know how powerful the gospel is. I am not ashamed. Why? Because I look back at my life and I can see the hand of God and see him active and see what he's done in me, for me, and through me. Verse 13, he says this, follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Follow my teaching. He is the example. Follow what I've told you, man. And you've heard that, that, that saying, um, do as I say, not as I do. You know who didn't say that? The Apostle Paul. He says, Follow my teaching. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Follow my example as I followed the example of Christ. So to Paul, he says, Do as I say and do as I do. Listen and imitate. See, Christians are really big on, on leadership, right? Of everyone needs to be a leader. But here, what Paul's saying is that everyone needs to be a follower. You need to follow someone. You need to be listening to someone. You need to see someone out ahead of you running the race and following Jesus because they can say to you, hey, do you want to know where Jesus is? I'm going to find him. You come with me. I'll show you how to get there. We need those examples in our life. When I was up at NAU for a couple years, um, I had a friend named Brian, and Brian was that example to me. We would do um, things I thought were crazy. Like we, just don't, we were on our way to get ice cream one time, and there was a homeless guy asking for money And Brian said, I don't have any money, but I have my credit card. Let's buy that guy ice cream. And the ice cream place was across town. So he just rolled down the window and said, we're going to go get ice cream. You want to come with? And I was like, wait, 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 (laughs) wait. Hopped in the car, went and got some ice cream. Amazing guy that we met that day. I didn't have the courage to do that. Brian did. There was one night we were driving home. From a Bible study, which you think after a Bible study you'd be bold and courageous and want to conquer the world for Jesus. Well, it was cold and rainy, so kind of like this morning. And we've conquered the world for Jesus another day, right? Uh, and this lady's car was broken down and it's raining at 40 degrees. And I'm like, man, that's a bummer. And I just drove. <laughs> that's a bummer, right? So I drove, and he said, no, 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 no. no, That's not how this works. So again, we turn around, and can we help you? And we're just shaking because it's raining not ready for it. So after we pushed a car a couple of blocks and bought her a tank of gasoline, I was like, Brian, why are we doing this? Because Jesus, not ashamed. Oh. Do you have someone like that? Do you have a Brian in your life, someone you can look to and say, hey, how do I do this? Do you have that example you can look to and see what it looks like to live the Christian life? If you don't have that example, you're missing out. You need that example. You need to be following someone. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit. The good deposit is the good news entrusted To you. See, Paul had the good news entrusted to him, and then he passed it down to Timothy, so the good news would be entrusted to him. We call that discipleship of being the example of teaching people and showing them how to live their life. And I'd encourage you to plug in to that. The third thing we see in our passage is the reality of the whole situation. People will abandon you. Some people will abandon you. For some, you're gonna be just a little too weird. For some, you'll be just a little too dogmatic. For some, they like Christians, but you're a little too Christian. And Paul says this even happened within the church. Verse 15, he says, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. That means they were with him at one point among whom are Phaedulus and Hermogenes. Man, what an awful way to have your names written in Scripture for all of eternity as a failure. Some will abandon you, but the great thing is some will also stick by and support. Verse 16, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from our Lord on that day, the day he stands before Jesus. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Man, don't be ashamed. And then he gives us an example of what it looks like to be unashamed. And then he gives us the reality of the potential consequences that even people we know and love and inside the church will abandon us. I want to be unashamed. Unashamed. And I think we all have examples of what it looks like to be ashamed. Maybe for you it was that neighbor who was talking to you outside your house who's struggling with their job or their wife or their husband or their kids are struggling with that health issue. And and it's this perfectly open wide door that you're thinking, man, I could just tell them about Jesus. I could just say, man, God wants to help you. Man, I could just, what are they going to think of me if I do that? What do they say? So we're ashamed. We clam up and we stop talking. Maybe it's the classmate who mocks your Christianity, so what do you do? You just go undercover. It's best that no one knows about this. It's my relationship with Jesus, my personal, private, little, Polly pocket type of Jesus where I take him out and I play with him and he's cute and, and I love him on Sundays and Wednesdays and everything else, but then when I'm living my life, he goes right back in my pocket until I'm having a hard time. I will do that. Or maybe it looks like going to the dentist and being asked a simple question, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I don't want to be that. I don't want to be ashamed. There's four big principles we can look at real quick that arrive in 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 18, and it's all about this, how to be unashamed. The first one's this, know what I believe. Know what I believe believe. I'd also say know in whom I believe. Whatever the right grammar is on that. You can correct me later. Email me. It's fine. <laughs> know what I believe and know who I believe. You know, some of our shame and our fear is tied to just not knowing things. You ever experience this? Someone asks you a question are you're afraid they might ask you a question so you clam up and don't share? What if I don't know the answer? Know what I believe, I'd encourage you, if that's you, you just don't have the answers, man, plug in and dive in. We have HBI classes that help you know what God's word says. Commit to reading the Bible every single day and you'll start to know some things. Talk with God. He'll reveal himself to you. Look back at what he's done in your life. So if someone asks you a question, you can say, do you know what? I don't know everything about that, but can I tell you how God's shown up in my life? Know what you believe, know who you believe, and know how he's shown up in your life. Secondly is this, know who gives me power. Verse 8, Paul said this, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering, how? By the power of God. By the power of God. Verse 7 says, God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love, and self-control. Verse 14, he says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit. See, we're not, we're not in this alone. We're not by ourselves here. We have God inside of us living and active and helping us live with that courage, helping us live with that power. It's not up to you. So when you're feeling weak, when you're feeling like you're clammed up, when you're feeling afraid, when you're feeling ashamed, man, Use the power that he's given you, and it's him. The third thing, have examples to follow. Paul was Timothy's example. Do as I say, do as I do. Here's my teaching, here's the example. That's discipleship. I don't know if you know this, we are really big on discipleship, so much so that we just changed our entire mission statement as a church this year love God, love people, and what? Make disciples. Man, if you're not following somebody, you are missing out. You need an example. You need someone in your life that you can look to and say, hey, brother, how did you get through this as a dad? Hey, brother, how did you get through this as a husband? How did you get through this as a business? Or how did you get through this as a mom? How did you, you need someone you can look to for that example. The fourth thing, he talks about supporters. We need to have supporters to help. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A cord of three strands is not easily what? Broken. We're only so good by ourselves for so long. We're better together. Aren't we? Isn't the church stronger when the church is together? Isn't the believer stronger when the believer has more believers strengthening him and holding him up? This is what Paul says. He says, All who are in Asia turned away from me. Phygelus and Hermogenes, those guys, they left, but this one guy Onesiphorus, man, he refreshed me. He was not ashamed of me. He searched for me. He found me. We need friends like that. Where do I find that type of community, that type of common ground with people? You find it in the church. Man, why does the church do small groups? Why does the church do life groups? Why does the church sit in circles every week and share their problems with each other and find out what the Lord has for us? It's because of this. Because we need help, we need to be refreshed. We need to be supported. We need to be prayed for. We need to be held up. So if you're here this morning and you're living the Christian life alone and you're feeling a little run down and a little bit ashamed, look around you. Do you have some brothers and sisters to help you? If you don't, you need help. You can head to Info Central. You can sign up for a life group. You can sign up for discipleship. You can go online. We have the links for you, actually. Um, You can click on those links on the website, and get signed up for one of those things so that you can live this type of unashamed life like Paul tells us to in Second Timothy. Would you bow your heads with me? God, if we want to be different, we can't keep doing the same things we've always done. God, if we find ourselves this morning want to, wanting to live a life that's unashamed, we need to change something. We need to do something different. For some, God, that might be committing to spend time with you, to know your word, to know who they believe in, not just what they believe. God, for some this morning, they've been trusting their own power. They've been trying to live their life alone. They've been trying to do it all by themselves. God, that's just not the way this works. We didn't enter into a relationship by ourselves with you, and we're not going to stay in that relationship by ourselves with you. We're trusting in your power and your power alone. God, for others this morning, it's just that need for an example. Would you encourage them to find someone that they can follow? God, and others have just been going it alone, but we believe we are better and stronger together God thank you for doing something amazing for us thank you for initiating a relationship with us thank you for loving us thank you for forgiving us thank you for giving us the power and sustaining us to get through this life and the good times and the bad times the things that are happy and the things that make us sad God we love you and we give you all the glory for everything in this place would we live for you and for you alone and all God's people Highlands Church, God has done an amazing thing for us in His Son, Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Get out there and live a life that's unashamed of the gospel. Bless you, folks. Bye bye.